You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Welcome back to another deal analysis episode. So today we're talking about uh, one of the things we love talking about and buying, which is a great cash flowing condo in Aurora. It's a three bedroom, two bathroom. So it'll be similar numbers to what we've talked about in the past, but this one had a couple unique curveballs with the way the deal came together. And also we closed it during the COVID pandemic. So a couple of uh, other talking points that we'll touch on other than just the typical numbers we see out there for condos in Aurora. So my co-host today is Preston Newberry. Preston. How's it Love going, Chris? Here. Thanks for having me on again. So um, this is a property that we closed on end of late April, right? Late April, yeah. I believe, so late yeah. April. So again, that I mean, we're recording this uh, right at the end of June now, and so of course that feels like an eternity ago. But that was right during the middle of the that lockdown, was, everything. Yeah, it was the middle of the lockdown, and you know everything was still pretty crazy out there. So it was uh, interesting to get this one done the way we did. Yeah, and so we had uh, just like I said, an interesting. Uh, events that happened, how this deal came together. So uh, this property popped up in one of the complexes we like a lot in Aurora. So we actually originally put an offer in on it, but lost out to it, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one had been uh, on the market um, and under contract twice. Um, and this was an agent that we've worked with in the past and had a really good relationship with. And uh, this was actually a property that they had flipped. So it was in really good condition. Um, and, you know, for them, it was all about highest and best price, especially, you know, in initially going into it when when the market was where it was at. Um, but, you know, falling out of contract twice. Um, and we had clients that had put offers in on it as well, but we missed out. And uh, when it fell out of contract the, the second time, the listing agent called me up and said, hey, let's just, let's get a deal done. And actually, I want to spend a little time because there's a lot of interesting stuff between that first contract and when we got it in our contract because, uh, you know, it's a little bit of north of $200,000 where it was listed for. And I think we're in the market like late February or like mid-February. Yeah, I think mid to late February, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, this was, again, you know, nothing had shut down yet. Stock market was still doing well. You know, life was still relatively good, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, type mindset. It was just starting to get on at least my radar, a lot of other people's yep. radar. And I know we had lost out to a cash buyer. Correct. Uh, and I think you know they went in you know at list or above list, but hey, cash. A lot of times people go with cash because they, you know they're more likely to they, their perceptions they're more likely to close in the financed offer. And so, I I mean you know we lost out, so we told the agent, hey, keep in touch with us if anything happens. But you know, hey, cash for kind of like this, probably gonna close. Um, but then I don't know, like two weeks later, she reached out and said, hey, that deal fell apart. Yep. Or whatever it was right around because it was right after like the stock market just tanked. <laughs> so we don't know the details, but our best guess is that a lot of the cash was in the stock market for this buyer. And somebody um, got cold feet. <laughs> yeah. Either got cold feet or didn't have enough money. Yep. Or didn't want to sell at a 30% loss on their stock portfolio. And so just timing of that seemed is how we, you know, we pieced it together. The agent immediately called us back and said, Hey, you know, fellow contract. Before I put it, you know, live on the MLS again, do you guys have a buyer for this? And this was right as the pandemic was going on. We said, oh yeah, you know, we, we have a buyer for this, no, no problem. And so we were starting to put that deal back together, but I believe she had forgotten that she'd accepted a backup offer, right? Yeah, so they had uh, had a signed backup offer um, and they weren't sure if those buyers were gonna be able to perform. So she reached out to us and said, hey, here's what's going on. Um, you know, obviously we have clients that are looking for this stuff all the time. So uh, we tried to put that deal together, um, but unfortunately the uh, the buyers that had signed the, the other backup offer still wanted the property. So she had to, had to honor that, right? That's the right thing to do. Um, and so they went under contract on that backup offer. 
And so this is an interesting uh, nuance to talk about because they had a, a signed backup offer which contractually obligates the seller and listing agent to take that offer if their current offer falls out. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, sometimes sellers will take it. A lot of times they won't. Yep. Um, just kind of depends on the structure. There's pros and cons to both. And there's also then just the the, the verbal, you know, and we do both. It just depends on the situation where, hey, if this falls out, keep us in mind. Uh, and that's how we had left this one. Especially um, with agents that we have good relationships yeah. with and, and do a lot of work with. So, And so, like I said, they went back in our contract. And I mean, it was in our contract for another week or two? I think two weeks, yeah. Okay. Just about two weeks. And I don't know the details on that other than, hey, that that fell out. Yep. Um, do you recall? I don't remember all yeah. the details on that one, yeah. And, you know, it's up to the seller's agent to tell us if or why it doesn't fall out. So a lot of times they don't. But, uh, you know, it fell out. And then this puts us in, like, early April, I believe. And so, again, this is really, you know, hey, uh, the world was locked down. Real estate showings were locked down. But since we knew this complex, I think we'd actually walked the property we'd back walk the in unit, February, yep. right? Yeah. Um, walked it back in February. So we knew it. And just, uh, you know, we still had a buyer throughout this because it's just one of those plays where, hey, great, we know the numbers. And yeah, I mean, the likelihood of values falling down, as you guys heard on previous podcasts, we weren't, you know, that was, we were not concerned about that. But even if they did, uh, the numbers on there, especially since this is a great play for Section 8 renters and highly sought after, yep. um, they're going to pay around that 1850 mark all day long. And we, we know that from experience, yeah. and we know that that's just the numbers over there. So, And guess what? Section 8, you know, the government doesn't lose their job. The government can print money. The government, you know, always pays on time. And so even if the Section 8 tenant, which often has to pay, you know, 5 to 20% of the rent um, for their share, if even the Section 8 tenant loses their job, uh, the government will step in and pay 100%. So, you know, from that standpoint, we and our buyer were not really concerned about the value of it, but we were more concerned about the rental income because this is when, hey, our rent's going to just fall off the face of the earth. Yep. But we knew section it was a very, very safe play. So, fortunately, we got locked up or got under contract, um, did all the normal inspection stuff and closed two weeks. of April, right? Yep. Okay. And so, again, for our investor profile, uh, this is a repeat client. He's a buy-hold investor, just looking to diversify his retirement income in the stock market. And, you know, he knows what he wants. He can act fast, great client to work with, and just is like, great, makes sense. Yep, let's pull an offer. Yep, just pull the trigger and make yeah. it happen. And nice thing for him is, you know, he likes turnkey properties. He uh, has a lot going on uh, in his personal life, just between work and family and all that stuff. So he wants something that, boom, I can get a renter in right away, turn it over to property manager, and, you know, let it do its thing. And this is, you know, this is like I said, this is about the most bread and butter uh, investment property to buy because we know the complexes. We know, hey, the, the, the quirks with the units, the quirks with the complexes. Our property manager knows it. Um, so it's just no-brainer for all of us. And we all felt comfortable during the pandemic of moving forward with it. And we discussed the pros and cons with their client, and he felt comfortable with it too. Um, so like I said, this is a three-bedroom, two-bathroom condo out in Aurora. List price was two hundred five. Purchase price was two hundred five, uh, and as Preston said, you know it was a fully remodeled uh, property from the flipper. And so the contract details of this, we've already pretty much talked about it. So you know, you know how we got under contract, and this is one we found on the MLS as well. 
Uh, and as far as the inspection, it was all just minor punchless items because it was already... I mean, they'd already had two inspections yeah. on it. So they knew everything that was uh, needed to be taken care of and, and everything was good. So the seller, you know, they already flipped it. Of course, there's always, there's always items still. So the seller took care of it from the previous inspections. And I don't even think we did an inspection, right? We just nope. walked it with a property manager, right? Just walked it with a property yeah. manager. We had the previous inspections and, and also right. the inspection um, resolutions from those deals. Um, so we knew everything that had been taken care of and, and what was going on over there. So financing, since this is a condo, it's a non-wardable condo, those require a 25% down payment. And so he did a 25% down payment with Joe at Castle & Cook, 30-year conventional mortgage. Appraisal, I mean, came in at value, no issues, which is pretty typical for that complex over there. No seller concessions. He put down more than 20%, so no PMI. But he did buy the interest rate down. Um, so he did buy the interest rate down. So now we are looking at uh, the spreadsheet portion of this. Of course, you guys can go click on the show notes. The spreadsheet is there. We'll go through this pretty quick because we have talked about these a lot on the podcast. Yeah, I think everybody will be pretty familiar with this one. Yeah, so not much has changed. We want to get into the backstory that, hey, we closed something during COVID, how that came together, and just how putting in backup offers, you know, works in that in that situation. So plugged in 25% down, purchase price at 205 Acquisition costs around six thousand dollars, which is includes the interest rate buy down. Mortgage interest rate three point six two five percent for a thirty year fixed. And I had just closed on a property in the same complex about six weeks before, and my interest rate was three point eight seven five. And I bought my interest rate down. I'm not quite sure, you know, how much I bought my down and he bought his down, but probably about that same sweet spot. A lot of times, the interest rate buy down there's a sweet spot. Hey buy it down a half a point or a point makes a lot of sense. Yep. They hit diminishing returns. A lot of times it's it's roughly the same. So even over that couple week period, his interest rate dropped probably about 0.2 or 0.3% less than mine. So all in, he was in just under 60K. Yep. Uh, rent, no surprise, 1850. We wrote this for a typical 5% vacancy. Um 10% property management, even though our property manager over there charges 7%, we do uh, put in 10%. Now, if we want to get really, really technical on these, um, if you look at like how long Section 8 tenants typically stay in properties, they're in there for like three to five years. Yep. I think, you know, uh, our property manager says at least two years typically yeah. and, uh, you know, upwards of five on most of them. They just, they don't like to move. They like to find a place and stay there. Yeah. And especially like if they find like, I mean, these units, like, you know, they're in a good location, uh, you know, the units, it's in great shape. You know, our property manager keeps the property up to date. Our uh, owners keep the property safe and up to date. And so it's, a, it's a, usually a great place for them. And since they have the Section 8 voucher, they're typically renters for life because the government's subsidizing majority of their, you know, their housing costs. And so the reason I mention this during property management is because, you know, your typical, your biggest property management costs outside your monthly fee are the turning cost, which is the lease-up cost, the marketing cost, the, we got to go in there and every fix time, stuff. Yeah, every time you turn a unit, there's going to be, you know, added costs with getting it ready to go and, uh, and everything associated yep. with that, so. And so with Section 8 tenants, a lot of times, like if you wanted to get you know, more detail in your underwriting, you probably lower the property management costs and lower the vacancy on there. But again, just as our general conservative underwriting, we like to still use the higher sides. But from a realistic standpoint, both those numbers are are, are usually much lower from in our experience, the properties that we own, all of our investors we work with, they're usually much lower than that. 
So repairs and maintenance, since this is a condo and you have the HOA that takes care of a lot of items, we are underwriting at 5%. So 5% of the rents goes towards, you know, upkeep. And that's really walls in and then plus the air conditioner, which is the only thing outside that you're responsible for, but everything else, it's walls in. Yes, the HOA, the HOA this complex now is right around $350. Uh, the taxes with the new 2019 increase are $1,280. His uh, property insurance was just over $500. As far as utilities, water sewer is paid for by the HOA. Trash is paid for by the HOA. Electric or Excel is paid for by the tenant. Landscaping and snow that's all HOA. And so really there's nothing else for the landlord to worry yeah, about. Yeah, there's no other expenses there. So conclusion on here, uh, you know, it should cash flow about $3,500 a year. In reality, we're probably going to see higher than that. Um, but with our, you know, underwriting, we're putting around thirty five hundred dollars a year, which puts it just in the high five cap rate. Now, you know, a, a year ago or a year and a half ago, we're buying these places, they were a high six cap rate, um, and now just with the way you know prices are continuing to increase, rent appreciation has you know slowed down from what it has the last few years. Yep, we're seeing cap rates compress. Now, from my perspective, I mean, we always want a higher cap rate. But you also have to put it into context with what interest rates are doing. His interest rate on here was 3.625, we said. So that's basically what a 2.1% spread between cap rate and interest rate. And that's really an important thing to look at. It's not just cap rate, but cap rate in relation to interest, interest rate. And so as long as we have, you know, the bigger the spread, the better the cash flow on the properties because you're borrowing at that much and your cap rate's at this rate. So, you know... Great. It's kind of a bummer that we're not finding nearly as many seven cap rate condos as we used to, uh, but we're finding stuff now that's a high five to six cap rate, depending on how you underwrite it. But now yet with the way interest rates have dropped, and I think they'll be low for a while. I think so too, Chris. Um, you know, that's going to still make, hey, great. So don't, I've had some people email me, you know, oh my gosh, how, how I can't find a 7% cap rate condo. Great. We're having a hard time too. We, we find fewer and fewer of them every quarter now. Uh, but don't get fixated on that because you have to put in relation with what the market is doing and what interest rates are doing. So interest rates, since they have dropped even more, um, even since this recording, and the going rate for a lot of these investment properties now are like 33 3.4%. So you're at and, a And think two about and that half. historically, you know, I mean, you know, over the last eight years or so, you know, finding something with a spread of one to one and a half percent was really good. And now that interest rates have dropped, um, you know, even though cap rates have compressed a little bit, we're still seeing a much better spread. Yep in relationship to that. So just want to point it out uh, because this is, I mean, this is going to be the continuing trend we see just because you guys know the metrics out there, Denver's in a housing shortage. That's not changing anytime soon. And it looks like we're still having lots of people migrate here. We're having more jobs and businesses move here. So demand's going up. Um, and then, but interest rates are staying down. And historically, as interest rates go down, more people buy assets, which also compress interest rates. So, I mean, my guess is interest or cap rates will continue to compress because money gets cheaper to borrow. Uh, and then people, you know, realize, hey, great, I can borrow money for cheap. Hey, I can still get this great spread between cap rate and interest and go out there and buy. So our recommendation is don't don't wait for the market to turn because it's not going to turn for a while. I mean, like Never I said, try I to a, time it, right, yeah, Chris? I bought a place in March. You're under contract buying a place now, yep. Preston. I'm in the market to buy another place now. Um, so, I mean, look for good properties out there, but keep it in context with the big picture, what's going on with the market and their trends. So, let's see. That, looking through the final notes here, 
I mean, just another great base hit on a rental property. And uh, yeah, that's everything I have in my notes, Preston. Yeah, I think we're good, Chris. I mean, you know, just a solid, uh, solid another another Aurora condo for a repeat client. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. If you got questions or want to understand more about cap rate and interest rate spread, uh, definitely reach out. We're always happy to chat about it. It's on my to-do list to do an in-depth podcast or a financial analysis of the spread between the two. Not quite sure when I'll get done, but it's out there. But if you want a quick conversation, I'm always happy to have one. So shoot me an email or reach out to us. We can help you discuss that, put together a game plan and go out there and buy some rentals. 